Hello Canucks fans and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host, Canuck Clay, Clay Emo, and I'm thrilled to be with you tonight on a night where basically everything went right. The only thing that didn't go right tonight was the proper co-host, the proper host Hello, isn't here tonight. Tonight it is supposed to be Sam, but Sam fell ill and had to take care of some family responsibilities as she should. So you are stuck with me tonight. But at least it's Game Over Vancouver, not Game Over Edmonton. I think that's the last show I did. But I'm so happy to be with you on a night where the Vancouver Canucks won 4 to nothing on a night where Roberto Luongo... Not sure how well that came across on the stream. On a night where Roberto Luongo gets uh, honored as part of the Ring of Honor in Rogers Arena. I didn't have time to get all the way home. So that's why you don't have my usual nice camera, nice lighting... Nice sound. I'm sitting in my office. Uh, me and Roberto right there. There's the bobblehead. So it's me, Roberto, and it's all of you for the next 40 minutes as we break down this game. Okay, Roberto, don't move. Can you see him? Okay, there he is. Yeah, so I'm thrilled you're here. Everyone, thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for waiting for me. It was, uh, I know this was supposed to go about 45 minutes ago, so we hope that sounds okay. I got to see Parker at the game. Uh, I didn't get to see Kaya, but I know she was at the game. But we knew that one of us was going to be here for you. So let's do a proper intro. And then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about the game because there's so much to talk about. The whole second segment, obviously, I'm going to talk about Roberto Longo. And then the th third segment will be for you, our Game Over Presser, where you can ask me whatever you want. And I'll try and do as many questions and answers as I can. Uh, other thing I guess to note is I have my own show starting in an hour from now, which I won't get home for that either. So if you want more Canucks talk, even after this, I don't know why you'd want that, but I'll start, I'll be starting my own show at 1130 Pacific. So shout out to everyone who's here at 1030 Pacific. We usually start at 945, but thank you once again for waiting for us. Before we get started, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button and subscribe to SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, so you get my, not my, you get the notifications of all of the of the shows. We do every single Canadian team, every single game that a Canadian team plays in, sometimes against one another, against each other, and we do post-game shows called Game Over right across the entire country, across the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. So do that, subscribe for sure. Also like the video. I can't tell how many likes there are because I don't think the thing is 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 updating. But make sure you like the video. Like the fact that we're together. Like the fact we're talking about a four nothing win. The Canucks win four straight, five out of six. They are second in the entire NHL in terms of points, not points percentage. But why quibble? And, and I like the fact that Roberto Luongo got honored tonight, as rightfully he he should have. But again, um, and, and then you can hit the notification bell too, so you get notified when we do these types of shows, but I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's after every single Canadian team plays in the NHL. Sometimes it's a little bit later. Usually it's right after the game, but again, special circumstances. So if you're tuning in late, um, Sam was supposed to host. I hope she's okay. I'm uh, filling in. That's why I have my, my I don't say cheaper, but my, my backup camera, my backup lighting, my backup microphone. I don't even know how to make this webcam extend to the, to the, to the complete ends of the screen, but that's okay. Um, it just means a more compact clay that you'll see and uh, we'll just get going because I'm so excited. You can tell I'm hyper, but that doesn't mean I'm at a loss for words. Never at a loss for words when it comes to a Vancouver Canucks win. So let us get going for nothing. And 
obviously, the, when you see 4 nothing, the first thing you think of is, wow, a shutout. And that's true. And how appropriate that Thatcher Demko gets a shutout on a night where the Vancouver Canucks honor Roberto Luongo. So that is the first thing. Pretty amazing that, uh, that yeah, that um, I'm just trying to see how many how many saves he made. What? He made 36 saves? I didn't even know that. I just realized, because uh, I had to scramble here after the game, I just realized that Florida outshot Vancouver 36 to 18. I just realized that the Canucks got one shot on goal in the third period. And honestly, it didn't feel that lopsided, but maybe I should go in order instead of jumping all over the place. So you see 4 nothing. Obviously, the first thing you think of is shutout. Yes, Thatcher Demko makes 36 saves. Truly, I can't name one that was amazing. And especially when you see a night like this, when they show a highlight video of, of Roberto Luongo's, some of his amazing saves, they don't have to be five-star. They don't have to be um, crazy. But Demko did what he needed to do, and he made all 36 saves tonight. So credit to Thatcher Demko. Poetic, appropriate, whatever fate, destiny, whatever word you want to call it, he gets a shout-out on the night that the Canucks honor the best goaltender in history, again, in Canucks history, and that is, oh, I think I just kicked over my recycling bin. So that is Roberto Luongo. Can you even see it, by the way, when I when I turn around? Can you even see that it says Luongo? It does, trust me. Number one, there you go. And, and Luongo's right there. Here's the other thing I liked. I, I like many things, but there's been nights where Pedersen gets three points, and then Pedersen, Hoglander, and, sorry, Pedersen, McKayev, and Lafferty will combine for six points. That's awesome. There's other nights where Besser and Miller and Hoglander combined for six or seven points. That's awesome. Tonight, Pedersen, not invisible, but when it comes to on the score sheet, hardly there. Tonight, JT Miller, hardly there. One assist. Pedersen, one assist. So the, the top two lines for the Canucks didn't account for any five-on-five -five goals. It is a good thing. When Dakota Joshua, a staple on the third line, scores two, even though that second one, even I could have scored, and I'm the worst, I have the worst hands in the history, maybe in the Western provinces. It's awesome when Kuzmenko playing on a fourth line, even though that that goal was a mixture of the third and fourth lines, because Garland was the one with the primary assists. It's awesome when Kuzmenko not playing in the top six scores in his second straight game. By the way, Kuzmenko's gonna be up in the He's going to be up in the top line in the next two weeks. We we all know that. It's just it's just kind of his wake-up call. You want Kuzmenko in your top six, not Sam Lafferty. So on a night where Pedersen's line doesn't really create, on a night where Miller's line doesn't really create, you have Kuzmenko scoring from the bottom six, you have Joshua scoring from the bottom six, and you have the power play producing. So that bodes well for this Canucks team. You know, I, I just can't wait for the game when... Um, the, the first line contributes, the second line contributes, and the third line contributes. Well, I guess we've seen that twice. The 10-1 win against San Jose, and then the 8-1 win, or whatever. Eight, was it 8-1 that we beat Edmonton? Um, yeah, so we, we have seen games where all the lines produce. But as this season gets deeper, as we get closer to playoff-type hockey, which um, I think, no, maybe not this game. Tampa, the Tampa-Carolina games were more like playoff-type games, um, a little bit tighter. You are going to need all of your players to contribute, especially offensively. So I loved Demko's game, obviously. I loved Dakota Joshua's game. Connor Garland, he, how many points did he get? He only had one point, but he's plus three, only 13 minutes. Would you agree with me that he was the most noticeable Canuck skater tonight? 
I know in the arena, Demko got the first star. Uh, Joshua got the second star because he had two goals. But Connor Garland was, to me, easily the most noticeable Canucks forward on the ice. By the way, keep chatting in the chat. I love you guys talking. I love you guys hanging out. I love Helen watching, even though she's an Islanders fan and she's three hours ahead, so she's about to fall asleep. I love it if you guys are all uh, you guys are all talking to each other once again. Um, because I'm not in my regular place at home, I don't have my regular multi-monitor set up. So um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm flying blind, but pretty close to it. So I promise I will get to a lot of your comments and your questions, but I won't uh, be able to get to them until the proper time, which for me is at the end of the show. So I hope you guys appreciate that. I just don't have the capacity to monitor the chat while I'm doing this because I, I don't know where, where anything is. So if I'm looking around, I look even more lost than usual, that is why. <laughs> uh, so on offense, uh, we've kind of covered what happened there, con contributions from the bottom six. On a night where Pia Suter returned, or as I like to call him, Pia Shooter, because he had four goals in five games before he got injured. Can you imagine that Teddy Bluger and Pia Shooter, Pia Suter, our two bottom six centers, they were really, really great pickups by the Canucks signings in the offseason. But out of 30 games, this is only the second game that they've played together. Because when the season started, Teddy Bluger was hurt. And then when he came back, Pia Suter got hurt. So now they're both healthy. And I think, I think there's no surprise that the bottom six looked as strong as they've ever looked. Because those were the two guys centering. With all due respect to Sam Lafferty, who was a center there in the fourth line, he filled in admirably. With all due respect to Neil Zaman, who's a healthy scratch, I really think that um, you're going to see the benefits of a strong bottom six now that Suter is back as well. You pop back to the defense, and no player played over than 21 minutes. And that's what? Nikita Zadorov had the most minutes. I've never said that before. 21-18, and everyone... Um, the five of the six guys, everyone except Noel Juleson had between 19 and 21 minutes. So I love how Taka was able to spread the, the minutes around. He's able to trust guys not named Hughes and Hronik. You have Myers playing 20 minutes, Cole playing 19 and a half, and Juleson still playing really well at 16 and a half minutes with three hits. I know I like Mark Friedman better, but um, I'm fine with the fact that Noel Juleson is playing so much because he's playing well. He's not the reason why the Canucks, the only reason why the Canucks have won four straight, but he is indeed playing very well a couple other things when you just look at the way the flow of this game i know there's uh, florida outshot vancouver 15 to 9 i know there's been a lot of consternation in vancouver about the slow starts for vancouver but did you know that they've vancouver scored first in 20 of the 30 games 20 of the 30 games you guys that's two-thirds of the games where where the canucks score first and then you no surprise then when they're able to take the lead into the third period, they're 17 and 0. So they have not lost one single game where they've taken the lead in the third period. So what a great recipe. If you score first, as the Canucks have done two out of three times, then you'd expect you have a better chance intuitively, obviously, logically, practically, of having the lead when you get to the third period. I know there's just still a whole rest of the game to play. And the Canucks have never lost a game when leading going into the third period. That is why, you guys, they are doing so well. And then really quickly, just to talk about the goals, just to recap them if somehow you didn't see them. The first goal was beautiful work by Connor Garland 
at the line. So I'm not sure if, if Garland got stuck out there because he's third line and Kuzmenko's fourth line. But Garland does a does a great play just outside the Florida line, passes it to Kuzmenko, cutting down the middle. Kuzmenko takes it on the forehand, goes to his backhand to avoid a couple of Panthers players, then quickly back to his forehand and then a quick shot. Because when he went back to this forehand, that's where the, the Florida Panthers defense were. And he had a, they had a chance to strip it. But no, he puts it past Bobrovsky. And it's one nothing just four minutes into the game. And yeah, Kuzmenko, great start for, for the Canucks. Then Dakota Joshua. Teddy Bluger makes a really nice play, a nice pass to Joshua. Joshua receives the pass on his backhand, tries one shot that Bobrovsky saves. And then the puck falls to Joshua. And instead of regrouping and trying to put it to his forehand he just roof daddies it from his backhand almost bar down Bobrovsky has no chance we're all excited we're like who's that who, who, who has the skill to do that apparently it's Dakota Joshua so now it's two nothing for the Vancouver Canucks going into the first intermission the second period is the only frame that the Canucks outshot Florida and that was eight to six and then um yes exactly halfway through the period some decent for checking by the Canucks. So none of them get assists, unfortunately. Bobrovsky looks like he has a lot of time. Could have put it anywhere else in the rink, but inexplicably tries to go up the middle. Joshua takes it on his forehand, so he didn't have to use his backhand this time. And I think he was probably wondering how he got so open or how Bobrovsky got in the puck. And Joshua, he didn't have a lot of time, but he didn't need a lot of time. He just snaps it in. Then it's 3-0. The easiest goal Joshua will score in his entire career. I really thought that was the dagger. You know, the people... I got to go to the game with my season ticket partner, Mike, and my two boys, Sean and Jake, the four of us, in 316. We had a lot of fun. And Mike just said that's... Because Mike plays a lot of hockey. He just says that's the most demoralizing thing when your goalie does something like that, especially in a game where you're already down 2-0. It'd be different if Florida was up and then you're like, oh, oh maybe maybe this is going to make make it hard for them to... to to keep their lead. But no, they're already 2-0. And now they are down 3-0. And then later in the second period, Canucks go on a 5-on-3. They get a power play. And then within 10 seconds or 20 seconds of that, starting 13 seconds, I think it was, um, Florida takes a second penalty. And then a 5-on-3. And it was funny. Mike, very smart hockey guy, he said to me, basically, watch, they're going to go backdoor to Besser. He basically called it. He said, they're going to try and go back door. And sure enough, we saw the Canucks try it a couple times. Didn't always work. They had to regroup a couple times. But then Miller finds Besser back door. Besser on his first shot. It bounces off the post. Bounces off Bobrovsky. I think it bounces off Besser. And then Besser puts it home on the second one. It's funny. The, the guy, whoever presses the goal horn, not the goal horn, the goal light, he pressed it uh, prematurely. So when Besser hit the post, the lights flashed. We all cheered. And then we realized... He didn't score. And then we realized he scored. So, And then I think the guy pressed the light button again. So it was uh, two lights for the price of one. And that's how the scoring ends. Yes. Um, so I met a bunch of people during the second intermission, which is great. It's the most people I've ever met at a Canucks game. Took a lot of pictures. In fact, Parker was there. My Canucks, One of our um, uh, Game Over Vancouver co-hosts, he was there. Uh, he's got to see a lot of people. So I was actually late getting back to my seat for the third period. Yes, I know, I know. I had to go to the washroom too. So then apparently I missed the Canucks power play, which they almost scored on. But I didn't know that they got outshot 15 to 1. Because admittedly, it didn't look like that it was they're outshot 15 to 1. Sure, it looked like they're outshot, but I didn't know they only had one shot on goal. I don't even know who had it. I don't even know what it was, but it doesn't matter because 
the Canucks, it never felt like they were in trouble. Honestly, it never felt, and I, I'm not being biased, it never felt like they are getting dominated. And Demko didn't have to make any crazy, crazy saves. And I'm just looking at the, the advanced stats for those of you who like that kind of thing. High danger chances for the game. We have uh, Florida was 17 and Vancouver was only 10. So maybe I should take that back about Demko making tough saves. And then for um, for expected goals, for the Canucks, it was 2. And for Florida, it was 3.2. So maybe I should take it back. Maybe Demko had a really strong... Of course Demko had a really strong game. He had a shutout on 36 saves. I just... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting spoiled used to Demko. But I, I don't think Demko was busy. But I don't think he had to make any really, really tough spectacular saves but let me know let me know you guys in the chat let me know in the chat um maybe i'm not giving demko enough credit and i'm giving him credit obviously for his third shutout of the season i just don't know if he had to make a lot of five alarm saves let me know uh, let me know in the chat I, I actually found the chat now i can see it so for before i transition to the next the second part of the show so i think we covered this game pretty darn good let me know in the you know in the chat if you thought Demko had a very difficult night, I would love it if you do that. By the way, over a hundred of you in here, which is awesome. Thank you for being here. I can't tell how many likes the stream has, but you guys know my 50% rule. So if we have any, if we have a hundred of you in here, it would be great if there is more, there's about 40 or 50 likes. I'm not sure if we have that, that amount. I'm looking right now. Oh, actually not bad. We have 39 likes. So that's way more than I expected. All right. Let's talk about Roberto Luongo. Before I do that, I just want to remind you all to subscribe to SDPN, this channel, hit the notification bell, and like the video as we get going. And if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, make sure you rate and review as well. No matter how you're watching or listening, know how much all of the SDPN network, and especially the Game Over Vancouver hosts, how much we appreciate you. I think that's enough about the game. Let's talk about the game before the game or the pregame. Roberto Luongo, the winningest, the best statistical Canucks goalie in history, he was honored with a spot in the ring of honor. Becomes the eighth player up there, a second goalie after Kirk McLean, guys like Alex Burroughs and Thomas Gradin and, and Pat Quinn, Harold Snaps, uh, other guys are up there. But he comes the second goalie to go up to the ring of honor. Now, um, I'll tell you what it felt like in the arena. Whether you were there, you can you can chime in as well, or whether you're watching on TV. It obviously wasn't as uh, much of a production as the Sedin's jersey retirement because that is a jersey retirement as opposed to the Ring of Honor. That is two guys as opposed to one. But the Sedin's were the first guys on the ice to to represent the club. So they introduced the Sedin's first. Then they introduced Corey Schneider who was probably uh, uh, won a Jennings Trophy with, with Roberto Luongo. So his best backup, and I say backup, ultimately took his starting job. Then they threw to a video package. Uh, no, I think they announced, uh, they introduced Roberto's wife and two kids, a daughter and a son. Then they threw to a video package narrated by Kevin Bieksa, who we remember did a really good job emceeing the, the Sedin's retirement ceremony. And then 
They invited out Roberto Luongo, who spoke for about, I think it was about seven or 10 minutes. Really good. He seemed very, very, not nervous, but he seemed very happy, relieved, excited to be back. Talked about um, funny moments, talked about Schneids, talked about um, winning the gold medal. Obviously, talked about beating Chicago in game seven, talked about beating San Jose in game five. Didn't really talk much about the Boston series uh, and and uh, and many other memories, teammates, coaches. It was funny. He brought up A.V., Alain Vigneault, brought up John Tortorella. <laughs> Everyone booed, but he said, no, 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 he's a good coach. He learned a lot. Uh, so Luongo, as expected, was very, very classy. Was very, very classy and uh, seemed very, very happy to be there. After his talk, they brought out Demko and Bobrovsky for the ceremonial face-off. Kind of cool to see two goalies take it. Just looks weird, but it was it was kind of cool. Maybe maybe because Demko won that draw, that that's why he got the shutout. Spoiler alert: courtesy, common courtesy, the home team. You guys probably figured this out. The home team always wins the ceremonial face-off. <laughs> and then overall, and, yeah, and and then the whole thing lasted about 15 to 20 minutes when all was said and done. So it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like an hour long, like the Sedin's retirement ceremony went. It went 20 minutes. So I remember looking at my my watch, and I think puck drop was between 7.20 and 7.25, if I'm not mistaken. Now, a lot of the... When I, we talk about Roberto Luongo, when we talk about his legacy, yes, most wins by a Canuck goaltender, best save percentage by a Canucks goaltender, best goals against average by a Canucks goaltender, one president's trophy, two president's trophy with him as the starter. Um, despite all those accolades, it's crazy that he only has one major NHL award, and that is sharing the Jennings Trophy for the best goals against average with Corey Schneider. He came set in 2007, his first season with the Vancouver Canucks, after he signed here in the summer of 06, um, after he got traded here. The first season, he became he came second place in Hart Trophy, only to Sidney Crosby. So Crosby won the Hart, and then Roberto came in second. And then for Vesna, he also came in second. It was neck and neck with Marty Brodeur. So it's weird how Marty Brodeur beat him for the Vesna, yet Luongo beat Brodeur out for the for the Hart Trophy. Maybe because Luongo's first year feel-good story, and he made the Canucks instant contenders just by, by coming here. So then naturally the debate, and this is what I kind of want to open up to you in the chat just for a few minutes, is... Uh, the natural debate was, should Luongo have his jersey retired and not just the Ring of Honor? Now, in the Ring of Honor, I mentioned some of the Canucks legends that are up there. Luongo becomes the eighth player to go up there. I also, uh, those of you know uh, that go to the arena, that the Canucks have retired six jerseys. Henrik, Daniel, Bure, Naslin, Linden, and Stan Smeal. We also know that there are four Canucks players in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Bure, the Sedins, and Roberto Luongo. So when the Canucks honored the Sedins and Luongo last season for getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, they announced that Luongo would go up in the Canucks Ring of Honor and not have his jersey retired. Now Luongo did have his jersey retired by Florida. The Islanders drafted Luongo, traded to Florida, so he played many seasons in Florida, played eight in Vancouver, and then went back to Florida to finish his career. Some people brought up the big contract he signed. Some people brought up the fact that he didn't ever seem that he was happy here. Whatever it may be, um, not everyone was on the on the you know on the side of raising Luongo's number up to the rafters. But it's just kind of interesting the different criteria. So you have six Canucks who have their jerseys retired. You have four Canucks who's um, in the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
And of the four Canucks in the Hockey Hall of Fame, the only one that doesn't have their jersey retired by the club is indeed Roberto Luongo. I think his accolades, I think the fact that he was the best goaltender in in Canucks history, and you watch all the videos say, and you hear his, his former teammates talk about him, to me, that that's enough to warrant a jersey retirement. I don't mean it in a in a insulting way or that that's enough meaning that's just enough we settle for that although some people would say well like what are we rewarding here the Canucks have never won a Stanley Cup so yes the Sedins were were fundamental in the way they changed the game Pavel Bure was the most exciting player when he was healthy so maybe that makes sense because those guys are Hockey Hall of Fame guys but would you argue that Naslin, Linden and Smeal have done enough to have their jerseys retired Smeal sure consummate hardworking working class role model linden captain through some of the good times and some of the bad times and the most beloved in the community marcus naslin one of our most skilled players and was was the leader of the team during the west coast express days but for smeal linden naslin they, they weren't recognized for the hockey hall of fame so then are we overvaluing their their contributions in the vancouver market that's not for me to say but it, it does come up every time this jersey retirement versus ring of honor discussion comes up because are we saying that what Lyndon, Naslin, and Smeal did for the franchise holds more weight than what Roberto Luongo did for this franchise. So very, very interesting question. And, you know, would love to hear your feedback on that. So let's do this. Let's do this. Why don't we start the, the first five minutes? I'll, I'll, re, I'll highlight some of your comments about Roberto Luongo specifically. So let's do that. Let's let's break our last part of the show up into two parts. The first part will be about Roberto Luongo, whether it's a favorite memory, whether it's you think he should be, you think you have his jersey retired as opposed to, as opposed to just in the Ring of Honor. Maybe you think that the Ring of Honor is too much of a, of a, of a distinction for him. So let's do the first five minutes of the of the open mic, so to speak about Roberto Luongo, and then we'll end off with a few questions about this actual game and the team itself. So actually, let's talk about Luongo, answer a few questions, or read some of your comments, and then I want to say one more thing about where the Canucks stand in the standings, and then we'll do the true last part of, of the show. So let's see what we got here. Fangirl says, I'm okay with Ring of Honor. We already have six players in the rafters. And if that happened, it would have to be a joint jersey retirement. You're saying him and McLean? Yes, and no, because I, I hear what you're saying. Some would say, well, what about Kirk McLean, I, who I love, um, I, I really like. I don't think he's as good as Luongo. And sometimes when you retire a jersey, you don't retire all the guy. The you don't retire all the guys and honor all the guys that wore that jersey prior. So I, I'm not convinced it has to be a joint retirement ceremony. Of, of Luongo McLean if they retire the number one. Angus says he is the all-time leader in wins in Canucks history. He was instrumental during the good times of Vancouver. He should have his jersey retired. And that's come, that comes from a goalie. Angus is a goalie. I appreciate that. Uh, Big T says, coolest to see his jersey retired. He's one of the best stories in the world. I think he can be in the pit too. What's a pit? Okay, so, so far, we got Angus saying he should have a jersey retired. Fangirl says, I'm okay with Ring of Honor. And then I'm, I'm not sure what Big T was trying to say. 
but I, I hope it was good. I meant to say, I want to see him in Ted. Okay. Big T, I'll, I'll try and figure out what you're trying to say. Uh, what else? <laughs> RK Link says, uh, McLean should have been retired a year ago anyway. Retire them both. You don't have to choose. I've heard that our argument as well. That, um, yeah, you could say that um, McLean was good in his heyday. He also led the, the Canucks to the Stanley Cup final to a game seven. It was a different type of game back when McLean was playing. But yeah, uh, I've heard that argument before that you don't have to choose uh, between McLean and Luongo. You can honor them both. Kazell or Kazel says, I think if you were to retire the number one, it should be a joint jersey retirement, Luongo and Kirk. Fair. Uh, so there's another vote for joint retirement, not joint. <laughs> but what about every other goalie that wore number one prior to them? Just asking, just asking. Carol says, when Longo was being honored, it brought tears to my eyes. A lot of great memories and certainly deserves it. But I don't know about the Jersey retirement. So put Carol in the category of okay with the Ring of Honor for sure. Not sure about the Jersey retirement. JGP says two for one. Sounds like he's ordering pizza, but he says two for one. I presume that he's talking about um, putting both McLean and Luongo, not up in the rafters, but retiring the jersey yeah neil i'm going to get to overall connects question in a second saying when let's keep the momentum going any last thoughts from the chat uh you waited this long you might as well type something it's already 11 o'clock <laughs> um tell me if you think that the ring of honor is appropriate for luongo or if you think he should be up in the rafters with the jersey retired or maybe just maybe you you don't you're tired of debating it or it's not even a debate for you yeah you're just fine with how everything happened. Carlvin says, I like, I think we eventually retire his number later from now when we realize how great it really was. Like how Bure got his number retired later on. Interesting. Okay. Wallach says, him being a captain itself with how he continued playing as goalie is really something. It's true. Although he wasn't allowed to wear the C um, in games. So that's why they presented him with his with his captain jersey tonight, which was a nice little um, touch. Not many players have their number retired by multiple teams, says Fanico. That is true. Big T says, I would like to see Lou's t-shirt retired. I think he means jersey. I'm hoping that we're... Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, I like what you guys have to say. So let's move on to the final part of the show now, our game over presser. Just want to tell you what this win for the Canucks means. You look at the Pacific Division tonight. You look at the Pacific. The Flames lost in a shootout, so they got a point. The Oilers had their eight-game winning streak snapped by the Lightning, the same Lightning that we beat on Tuesday. They lost 7-4. to four. The Kraken won. They beat the Blackhawks 7-1. to one, And then we beat the Panthers 4 to nothing. So what that means in the big scheme of things in the division... In the NHL, after tonight's action, it is Vegas with 45 points in 30 games. The Canucks with 41 points in 30 games. So we are four points behind Vegas. LA is 36 points in 26 games. So LA is five points behind us with four games in hand. So they have a slightly, just slightly better points percentage. In the entire NHL, the Vancouver Canucks have the second most points behind Vegas. Crazy that the two top teams in the league are from the same division, Pacific Division. Then they're one point up on Boston, who have three games in hand. 
two points up on the Rangers here, three games in hand. So you you take into the games in hand, and if you look at point percentage, the Canucks are still fifth in the entire league. Fifth in the entire league in points percentage, only behind Vegas, of course, Boston, the Rangers, and LA. So second when it comes to points, fifth overall the league in points percentage. Regardless, that means they're a top five team in the NHL. They are 11 games over 529 and one. And if you follow my math, I always say that you got to be 12 games over 500 to make the playoffs. That's 94 points. So the Canucks, um, really, even if they only went one game over 500 for the remaining 52 games, they would likely make a play- the playoffs. But they're going to finish way over one more game over 500 for their entire season. They could, at this rate, be 20 games over 500 by the time the season ends, and that would be 102 points. And that's getting you into second or third in the division and not just a wild card spot. So the Canucks are, they've won four straight. They got out of that horrible lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win pattern. And now they are now just four points behind the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's get to your questions now. Type it in the chat. I'll I'll try and get through as many of them as I can in the next five to ten minutes. Carol says, how many people were at the arena? It was sold out. So a sellout at uh, Rogers, I'm pretty sure is 18.6. No, actually, what is capacity at Rogers now? They keep changing it as they find different ways to add more seats. Rogers Arena capacity. That was 18.9. No, sorry. 19.7 now? No, 18.9 for hockey, 19.7 for basketball. So just under 19,000 people there, Carol. Fangirl says, do you think the PD scored on that shot in the third period? So this is the one, Fangirl. I mentioned that I did not get to my seat for the, I missed the first six minutes of the third period. And when I sat down, Mike, Sean, and Jacob were telling me about this shot that Pedersen um, took. Was it on the power play or not? But didn't count. And Mike thought it went in and out. Um, I didn't see it. So someone's going to have to explain it to me. But I'm really curious as to um, what that shot was. Because Mike said it didn't make a clang, like it hit bar or whatever. That it was more, um, yeah, it would hit the netting and come out. So I'm, I'm trying to look for a highlight right now. I haven't seen one. But someone tell me uh, more about the goal and and let me know. Or the, the non-goal, obviously, and whether or not it should have counted. I, I can't really comment on it because I didn't see it. Well, it says, does the team seeming to sit back slightly when they have the lead in the third? Those records of purpose so far seem anxiety, bring anxiety to teams of the past. I truly don't think so. If you're winning for nothing, you are not, you're always trying to score, but you're not necessarily trying to, that's not the priority. The priority is to, is to not give up any goals. So naturally, you'll see the Canucks revert. They wouldn't turtle, but they'll, they'll kind of go back in their shell a little bit and just really protect the lead. And if you end up giving up one or two goals, it's still 4-2 and you're, you're still okay. So to me, it doesn't bring me anxiety because of how strong the goaltending has been. And I, I think the Canucks are coached very well by Rick Tockett. There have been other years where we would joke around that a Canucks two-goal lead was the, the most unsafe lead in hockey because... They were so bad at protecting leads because they would sit back almost too much where they would just get shelled. They would get shelled. But now um, I I think they know how to 
to bend but don't break. And we've seen that because they have not lost a lead in 17 games this season. So it doesn't really, really uh, concern me. Good question though, Wallach. Ricky says, prediction for upcoming road trip. Four games in six nights, Minnesota, Chicago, Nashville, and Dallas. I think 2-1-1 is a, I, I would love to say 3-1, and one, but 2-1-1 is a tiny bit safer. Yeah, Minnesota, Chicago shouldn't be difficult, but it is a back-to-back. And then there's Nashville and Dallas. Dallas is playing very well. They've fallen off a little bit. And Nashville um, fighting for a wild card spot. Yeah, I'll go 3-1. and one, And, you know, you, you think that Dallas would be the toughest one out of all that. But maybe, maybe somehow the Nashville game becomes tough or whatever. But the they should win all four. But let let's go safe, and let's go three and one. Friends, I got time for a couple more questions. If you want to throw them in, any more thoughts about tonight's game or any more thoughts about the Canucks? Again, I'm trying to look for a video of Pedersen's goal that didn't count, but I, I can't find anything. And there's a lot, we're a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, Brock Besser has 22 goals on the season. Uh, yeah, I, I should have said more about that after after I mentioned his power play goal. 22 goals on the season. It's it's beautiful. It, it's awesome. He's got his confidence. He's a smart player. He he's making everything like it looks like everything's slowing down for him. And yeah, Austin Matthews has 23. Brock has 22. And Nikita Kutrov is 20. That's pretty, pretty good company for sure. Fangirl, here's the thing about that PD shot. The horn would have gone off if Toronto thought it was a goal. Yeah, great point. Yeah, and we've seen that before where they, they stop a game right in the middle of the play if they review it. So you're right, Fangirl. Then I guess it wasn't a goal. Wallach, you think DeSmith gets one of those games? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm willing to bet everything I have, which isn't that much, I'm willing to bet everything I have that he plays one of the two games in Minnesota or Chicago. And then after that, you could go Demko with the other two. So I think Demko plays three of the four. Fans booed the refs for the call in the Miller penalty. Do you agree with it? To me, it was a blatant hook. Sadin Magic, uh, yeah, that was tricky because he certainly hooked the guy, but the guy also was holding Miller a stick. So I think uh, a lot of people were more mesmerized or attracted. Attracted is not the right word. It's not like you want to date the player, but you know what I mean. It was, they were more focused on the fact that the, the Florida player was holding Miller's stick. But yeah, I think some people forgot about the fact that Miller actually did the hooking to start it off. Ricky says, dismiss plays in Minnesota. Yeah, I could see that. Which one's first? Minnesota's first, right? And the Chicago second. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Yeah, Demko's played really well. He's played really well. Then, but then, do you do you sit a guy coming off a shutout? Or do you want to ride that momentum? So maybe Demko plays on Saturday, in Minnesota, and then the quick turnaround with travel, you give it to DeSmith on Sunday. But both of those teams aren't very strong. The Canucks should win both of those games. Any last thoughts, you guys, before I hydrate and get ready for my own show? Um, but this has been really, really good. Yeah, no, no problem, City and Magic. His stick was being held for sure. For sure. If you go back and watch, at least that's what we saw on the massive Jumbotron in the arena. You guys think this looks like Luongo? Oh, there goes a stick. Do you guys think this looks like Luongo? 
Yes? No? Oh, almost decapitated him. Any other thoughts, you guys? Otherwise, I will wrap up as I look for Luongo's stick. Oh, great. Now I lost it under my keyboard. Ah, uh, subscribe. Good point. I think DeSmith will start Saturday since you shut them out last week. That is true. There is something to be said about uh, a goalie who feels really good about certain teams. And thank you for reminding me that DeSmith did shut. Uh, it's 2-0, right? The last time they played in Vancouver. Just last week. Just last week. So that that could very well be very well be the case. Okay, friends. I think I'm going to wrap up here. Once again, thank you for being here on a night where the Vancouver Canucks defeated the visiting Florida Panthers 4-0. Brock Besser with his 27, 22nd excuse me, goal of the season. Dakota Joshua adds two. Kuzmenko scores in his second consecutive game. We have the return of Puce Suter. And then Thatcher Demko makes 36 saves on a night where Roberto Luongo is honored by being put into the ring of honor. Next game is Saturday. The Canucks play in Minnesota, and we have a treat for you. All four of us, me, Parker, Sam, and Kaya. Not sure how we're going to fit all four of us on the screen, but we're going to try it. We are going to co-host Game Over Vancouver on Saturday. We'll see how big of a crowd it is. It's the weekend coming up to Christmas, but if the Canucks win again, that'll be five straight. So make sure you make plans to join us. It's early. The game's early, so make sure you, you you track it. The game on Saturday starts at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. So that means that around 1.45 or 2, we will be on your screen. So join us for that. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to SDPN. Make sure you like this video on the way out. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Notification bell. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, Make sure you rate and review. I want to thank you sincerely for waiting for me for this show. If you still want more Canucks talk, I'll be doing my own show in about 15 minutes on my channel. If you want to follow me, I'm at Canuck Clay here on YouTube, Canuck Clay on X slash Twitter as well. would love to continue the conversation with you on any of my social media channels. And if you're listening on a podcast, did I say that already? Make sure you rate and review as well. So friends, thanks again for being here. Enjoy the rest of your night. And I hope that you do indeed see all four of us on Saturday after the Canucks hopefully defeat the Minnesota Wild for a fifth straight victory. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Go Canucks go. Good night, everyone.